नमस्ते ए फ्यू वर्ड्स बिफोर वी स्टार्ट दी एक्सप्लोरिंग दी जर्नी विद इन ह्यूमन बींग्स आर मार्क्ड और कैरेक्टराइज बाई दी अर्ज फॉर प्रोग्रेस इट्स ऑलमोस्ट लाइक आई मीन क्वाइट अनलाइक एनिमल्स वी आर एक्सप्लोरर्स वी आर वॉन्डरर्स राइट फ्रॉम द डेज दैट ह्यूमैनिटी हैज बीन बॉर्न वी आर सीकर्स we raise questions and try to find answers and in the whole process we always try to go beyond the limits that have been formed for us by nature so this what characterizes us humans now this trying to go beyond the boundaries and progress has taken two forms one is outward where we try to understand the phenomenal world dig deeper into it go further and further in search of what lies behind all this surface phenomena that floats right in front of our eyes and we have reached a point where we can almost say that what we see we hear we touch we smell we we feel we think all of it is it real or is it an illusion is it a play of atoms floating in space which create the sense of a personality or is there a substantial reality behind all this phenomenal consciousness of course the average person doesn't bother about it he is comfortable with the phenomena and dealing with it that's the practical kind of humanity but more and more we realize that even from the purely practical point of view it is not enough if we really remain on the surfaces of life if we deal with phenomenon as if that alone was real if we deal with phenomenon like that we find ourselves severely handicapped at several levels and in many many ways so even from the most pragmatic point of view man must search if there is something deeper if there is something stable if there is something permanent it doesn't matter what we call what name we give it and in this process science has taken a route where it goes further or rather material science where it digs deeper and deeper and tries to understand what lies behind the phenomenon but there is another approach which has been known since ancient times and that approach is going within because we are available to ourselves it's not easy to go deeper into the phenomena now we have the tools people have taken millenniums to study understand categorize go deeper now you know with new tools one tries to go deeper and deeper but the other way is to go within and when we go behind the phenomenal being that we know as ourselves we enter into subjective spaces see that is a uh, interesting way of approaching life normally we look at the world and we try to understand it objectively but there is a whole subjective world to take an example when we turn within and study the states of consciousness we realize that you know there are in in one particular day we just take a day from morning till night we go through several states of consciousness we may wake up and say i am feeling fresh whatever it means try defining it <laughs> or i am feeling very enthusiastic and then day passes and then we go through hunger and anger and happiness and sorrow and countless states states when we are very quiet states when we are excited and agitated and yet this moves within a certain circle we 
go within round and round within a certain kind of subjective phenomenon just as we have an objective phenomenon we have a subjective reality within and we usually use the word personality we give the term personality to these many subjective states with which we are identified for instance we are used to a certain kind of thoughts and we say this is me or a certain kind of feelings which we are very used to we catch them habitually and say this is me and whatever is other than that we don't understand in fact we think it doesn't exist or else if it exists we are in conflict with it because it's not me but yogis have gone deeper all yoga is about yoga is another kind of science where we go deeper and understand is there a stable basis behind all these different states of consciousness and what we discover first discovery that we make is that these states are shifting from morning to night automatically it is as if we are floating on sea rather than being solidly grounded and from morning till night we are in different different states and we wonder why it is so and even you know and we try to find a key we don't have the key ordinarily and we just flow through it as it comes in other word we are carried towards some great unknown goal or perhaps no goal as some people would say through these states of consciousness and we don't know how to handle it then there comes a little more awakened humanity and it says no i must be i must master myself it's not i don't want to lead life like a slave i i feel excited and i start you know moving about and i feel angry and i blurt out i feel quiet and then i can't act in life so the next level of humanity is where it wants to master these states and that's where real yoga steps in then we try several ways and through these ways humanity has found some methods through which we can achieve this self mastery and self conquest now why i'm using these terms is because all deepening heightening widening is essentially to return back upon the field in which we are operating and to give us a vantage point so that we can act with a greater knowledge with a greater power with a greater delight with a greater peace with a greater harmony in all we do otherwise just entering into a state of self discovery very often you know we, we hear the word enlightenment yes but enlightenment is of no use if it enlightens the soul but leaves the field unenlightened this enlightenment must enter the field it's like when you you know have a lamp lit it must light up the entire room and not just that little area around the lamp similarly this power should not be just to make us feel that yes uh, you know who would be satisfied with that kind of power that helps us to quit the field it should be a power that enters into the field and operates in ways that are unknown to us it should be a new kind of cognition even a new kind of delight in whatever work we are doing so that's why there is a need to break free from the magic circle in which nature holds us imprisoned so when we look at life in a certain way from this internal perspective we see that all creatures are held within a kind of bubble or a magic circle which nature has built around them and they believe that that's it that is the ultimate limits now i have several examples one of them which i used to give was you know in pondicherry there is a ganesh temple and when you cross the ganesh temple uh, you would see an elephant who is uh, uh, you know standing at the door 
and everybody would go give her some coconut and she would give some blessing this all she was doing she was in chains uh, later on they freed the chains but she would stand there so you know i would often wonder that why she is standing there she is far more formidable creature <laughs> if she comes all that she needs is instead of blessing just to know what power she contains and every human being will be running helter skelter why is she standing like a slave even when her chains are open just because of the conditioning that's how elephants are trained i came to know that you know initially they are tied with the chain later on they are trained and taught so that even when the chains are open they will not move they they believe they are chained now this is exactly what nature has done to us so much so that we believe that we are whatever we experience at a given point of time and our personality is formed fixed our character is you know a bundle of habits but whatever it is it is given to us and that's all there is but yoga teaches us there is much more to it then we can sense we then we can understand then we can uh, our operating system through which we meet the challenges of life and that's where the expansion of consciousness in different directions comes in now why consciousness because phenomena is something relatively fixed but we have within us something which we use uh, for which we use the term consciousness and here it will be good to note that consciousness is not same as energy very often you know people use the terms interchangeably energy is energy and consciousness is consciousness that's why the terms are different energy is like the fuel so we can have uh, a very pure kind of energy which moves us we can have a very gross fuel to give an example crude desires is a very crude fuel it it can push us suddenly like a kick start but very soon it emits lot of smoke which begins to choke our arteries and every other system on the other hand it can be a very refined kind of fuel for instance a satvik man he will operate not just for the fulfillment of desires but for following a law of life according to the law of truth so there is a difference between the fuel so there is an energy which operates within a system this energy itself can be upgraded but to upgrade this energy we need to shift the consciousness that's why our consciousness stands behind energy and consciousness is the power of awareness and the power of execution which is there fundamentally in this entire creation all creation is an act of consciousness we may say it is the fundamental non material reality yet it condition itself to the form and the material reality so it is the non material basis fundamental basis of existence it is there and this has within it knowledge and will uh, and through through it it when it limits its knowledge and will we have different creatures and it builds forms within which it limits itself so right now we are at that point where it has limited itself into the human form and the human shape and the human vessel and the human personality and operates within those limits but since human beings carry an urge to go beyond the limits we are incorrigible freedom lovers set a limit and man wants to break it make a rule and we want to discover what it means to break a rule we are born with that impulse you know it's so strange that uh, animals like lion and uh, elephants you tie them you know they will rarely transgress the jungle and come into the uh, city but man has this tendency he will go to amazon he'll go to that forest i am talking of the amazon the forest and he'll dive deep into the seas he will go out of his uh, territory to explore every every limit and beyond limits 
So yoga satisfies that urge for the adventure within man. And this is not just satisfaction, but to fulfill ourselves, we need to expand the boundaries or the limits within which we are trapped. And here we can make these three basic movements. Consciousness can go beyond the mind. I believe it has already been spoken of. And we can discover new ways of cognition, new ways of feeling, new ways of experiencing life, new kinds of power that are right now asleep within the uh, limits uh, that nature has given us. Or it can expand and become wide. And me and mine, which is trapped within the little sense of a name and a surname, can expand and include other creatures, not only human beings, plants, animals, further into earth and it can expand further where it can say, as Shurbindo says in one of his poems, that I have wrapped the wide world in my wider self and London and Tokyo and Paris, my spirits seeing are. I am the man's few good deeds. I am the beast he slays and the bird he saves. So all these one can expand and identify with it. Now imagine the uh, potential of such an expansion because then one can operate not only through one body but many operating systems. This is precisely what, how Mother and Shirobindo were working in the world war, in the disciples, what they would do. So when we turn to mother, how does she do? We think, oh, she is a separate individuality and we are a separate individuality. She must give us something in writing and we must follow the instructions. That's not how divine beings operate. She says, I just go inside you, shift the needle of consciousness because you are within me, a part of me. So when we begin to identify with her, she begins to change us even when we are asleep, even when we are not aware. So this is the potential that man has. And the third movement of which we will speak today is to go deeper and deeper. Now why this going deeper and deeper is concerned is again when we look at the body, uh, we understand that this body is ever changing from uh, dawn to dusk, why speak of birth to death. And it's constantly moving towards something which uh, appears to us as the end of uh, uh, our journey. So is there something more than the body, beyond the body? And then we discover that yes, there is something which we call as a personality. Now this personality itself is largely a construct. It's a construct which uh, partly we are born uh, with certain things we pick up from home. Then our parents and elders and um, education and uh, society. So there is a construct, religious constructs, belief systems and we automatically pick them up and we say this is me. But is that the only me or is there something still deeper? We discover that even that is an illusion. There is an illusion of personality. So when we go deeper and deeper to search, who is this me? Is there a stable, permanent me behind all these changing appearances? My thoughts change from morning to night. My feelings change from morning to night. As I said, different states of consciousness crowd one upon another. Is there a master key to all this or am I a helpless victim? Or is there an I at all? So this is how it, the search can start. It can start in three different ways. One is the search for truth, the reality behind all appearances, the stable enduring basis, doesn't matter what we call. So this is usually how an intellectual search starts by reflection, by contemplation, by uh, looking at life, looking at ourselves, by becoming a witness to our own being. 
and then we begin to wonder who is this who is watching the thoughts you see it's a very interesting discovery we say i was thinking this so who is this i who was thinking who was watching the thoughts or i felt like this so even during the feeling there is something which can separate it's like in a dream who was the dreamer who was seeing the dream so this way when we reflect and when we go deeper and deeper intellectually so to say we discover the true i within an indestructible element which um, you know which does not perish we arrive at that stable bedrock from where all this whole thing is proceeding and who is the master of this house so this one way uh the the becoming the witness the second way which you know we we can do while being in life uh is through works and this is something very interesting now why are we not able to go within very often you know people are taught methods of concentration and meditation in fact part of that intellectual uh, process is uh, concentration and meditation we pick up an idea for instance who am i and we concentrate upon it or more positively i am that and we concentrate upon that but it's very difficult so the reason is because we are tied to the surfaces we are tied all the time through to the phenomenon and through all the senses consciousness is pouring outside and nature has played a game that right from childhood it ties us to certain posts so it ties us to you know immediate caregivers parents now if we really look at life very it's very interesting that each of these persons to whom our consciousness is tied actually is nothing else but the representation of something which um, you know we can use the word divine parents the nourisher the nurturer friend somebody who can listen understand beloved husband wife somebody who will perennially walk with us on the pathways of life even child the offspring born out of us as something new now actually because we are not yet ready for that uh, you know glory and greatness it ties us to these little little packages which represent it and so long as we are satisfied with these appearances well uh, nature plays the old game old game means we remain tied to the surfaces and we are happy or we are sad and we say that we can do nothing about it and the mother uses you know her last conversation where she says most of us like prisoners so we are tied to this surfaces as prisoners and nature continues to play this game ad infinitum ad nauseam but a time comes when we say we don't want to play this game in this way we don't even know the terms of the game who is playing the game with us it's a cruel joke if you look at it like this that everything is wonderful and tomorrow it crashes so this also serves as a catalyst to tell us no i want to know the rules of the game i want to know who is the who has initiated the game am i a stakeholder am i a conscious participant and that's when we start searching for something through the mystic path now mysticism doesn't go in in the intellectual way it takes another approach it says there is a mystic feeling or an intuition that there is god that there is a being i am right now not going into the discussion of whether god is a being or not he is both and more to, to say the least and logically we can talk about it but it has the mystical feeling and intuition that there is god and even this intuition can pinpoint it that he is in the heart ask any human being that you know tell us about yourself very naturally our hand goes to the heart we don't say yes i'll tell you about myself now if you do this gesture it's like uh, you know it's not a good gesture to do 
it's when you curse your fate it's not where the i is or you don't uh, stroke your belly and say i it's not a good gesture again but very naturally our hand goes to the heart and say me my in india we even do this namaste so this is basically because there is a presence in the heart which we don't understand we use the word god we use the word uh, this is the the temple within us and mystics start moving toward that through a process which is called as self giving surrender etc but as i said initially we have to uh, you know if we remain tied to the appearances we cannot go within so the process that acts as an intermediary is to diminish the desired self which ties us and binds us to these outposts of ignorance so how to diminish desired self the word itself becomes very frightening i remember in one of the camps uh, you know after a one week camp on the geeta uh, one of the ladies remarked doctor wonderful things you said please don't ask us however to conquer the desired self <laughs> so i said yes i understand it's pretty frightening but well we have a choice to make either we remain tied to that or we discover something greater than desire oh there is something greater than desire yes why do we desire things because we believe by having it we will have pleasure or joy but what if we have a self existent delight oh is it possible yes precisely so when it is said that go beyond the desired self or behind the desired self she even she even used the word psychic prana in one of his earlier writing it is or the double soul in man or the you know the false soul or the soul of desire now this if we remain tied to it we have a very limited gain we have pleasure followed by pain we have some happiness and sorrow follows suit this is a grace actually because otherwise we'll forever remain tied so nature has made this old contract it has we have signed the contract form if we ask for one pleasure it will say okay two pain you have signed in the footnote ask for one happiness on the surface and grief is bound to come so it helps to shake us from the comfort zone whereas when we go still deeper then we discover a self existent delight so how to come out of this desired self there are several ways one is what is called as the nishkam karma so we are tied to things by the result oh what will i get we do a job because we our eyes on the pay package or the promotion the scope that we have or we want recognition or we enter into a relationship to have love or we have we get something from their joy of togetherness or whatever so the result is that we are all the time tied by the results so gita teaches us and shubhendra speaks about it one of the first thing necessary before we can talk about ascent of the sacrifices to cut our not cut our moorings but make them at least loose instead of a strong rajasic element bring in the sattvic element that's not just that what i am getting out of life but also what i am giving but the geeta goes still further it says regardless of your dealings with the world deal with everyone and everything as if you are doing it to the to god to the divine presence in others and within and he goes on to this extent that he says when you receive something from someone so take it as it is coming from the divine now this something is not just a material gift it can be an emotional gift it can be an intellectual gift and equally when you are giving something to someone don't give it with this idea i am giving to this little personality this person 
it is going to the divine in the person and then he goes on to say even if the recipient rejects the gift you give it to a person and the person throws it away or doesn't care if you have given it with this idea that it is given to the divine the divine understands he smiles and he starts pulling us inward so there it's not just that we have to you know make an effort to go within there is someone within who will pull us but for that we have to Uh, loosen the strings with which we are tied to the surfaces of life you know that story where a man uh, boatman whole night he tries to row the boat but the boat doesn't move in the morning he discovers he had forgotten to untie it from the uh, you know that uh, little anchor to which the boat was tied the ship can't move into the sea if the anchor remains where it is so this movement is one of the most fundamental most neglected i have seen tons of classes of you know advertisement on meditation and concentration uh, quite a good amount of money goes into it people are taught a technique and method well we can scratch the surface if we want but if desire self remains tied where it is we won't be able to go very deep inside because it'll hold us it'll pull us back that's why shobindo when he speaks of uh, meditation in savitri how beautifully he puts it this way that in moments when the inner lamps are lit and life's cherished guests are left outside our spirit sits alone and speaks to the gulfs so the practice is remember and offer one of the fundamental practices of yoga to remember the divine in everything and everyone now here again shurabindu says something very interesting in one of his conversations he says it's easier to do it with static things for instance it's easy to you know um, go with the live with the idea that the divine is in the wall in the uh, you know in the plants even in animals up to a point but when it comes to men who are moving wicked people it's very difficult to do it but he says even then it should be done the yogin has to keep his eyes fixed on his goal yes no doubt there is wickedness good and evil in this world we'll come to that we'll understand it in a better perspective if we really really learn to look behind appearances so when we start focusing and centering our life on the divine and for that we can take the help of an idea an image a form what idea image or form any idea any image any form <laughs> what should be offer anything a drop of water a leaf a flower a feeling a thought the divine within knows and accepts so any idea which represents to us the divine we may use the word god we may use the word thou we may use the word supreme lord doesn't matter one of the i was so um, happy and touched when i read in one of you know mother's conversations she says for a long time the mantra she used now imagine the moment we use the word mantra all our ears on sanskrit something will come the for a long time the mantra she used was my lord just imagine just to look at my lord who is my lord who is my master who is the lord of creation my lord and the lord would manifest so it is whatever makes us feel connection with the divine the divine sense let's not define him defining him creates religions he is all and more than the all he is in all all is in him all is him so then the question is all is him then what next where do we go well because he is constantly moving forward there is a very beautiful shloka in the ishopanishad tadejati tanne jati tad dure tadvantike 
he is constantly moving forward even the gods cannot catch him therefore we have to move from the lesser manifestations of the divine to the divine of tomorrow so this way when we start looking at life we change it from egocentric me centric me as we understand to divine centric the more we make life divine centric then slowly it changes into we start loving him because we are seeing him in all beings we start wanting to serve him to give ourselves to him surrender to him so when we start living life this way after a while we see there is a separation and there is a separation between what we believed ourselves to be and what we truly are we start dwelling in a state of consciousness where we know we know within um, conviction it's a not even an intuition intuition is still something which you are seeing outside there is an identification that even if the universe were to collapse this would remain now the moment we realize it life is beautiful because then Uh, the field of nature of course uh, the yogin in integral yoga will enter into the field of nature but now with a new identity so wherever he goes in whatever field because in, in integral yoga nothing can be left so you know it's not only climbing on peaks of nature but i believe as uh, you know one of the sessions entering into the subconscious so what happens when you enter into the subconscious you see there are two ways people enter into the ocean one they drown they helpless they are caught in the current they drown second is that go with swimming suits diver suit and they are always held by the rope above so when you go down and you see a shark and you feel this danger all that you need to do is to do this little you know some kind of signal and you are pulled up so when we go down with a new identity that i am none else but the child of the divine mother the imperishable one indestructible the immortal self then even when appearances are dark sometimes you know there is a dungeon also in which we enter there is a complex play of forces web of forces yet because we are connected to her very deeply and intimately it's very easy for us to open the door mother gives a very interesting example that you know there is storm raging outside and what will you do that time so if you have the key you open the door and come inside now this key that can open the doors to the divine is the psychic being within us and one of the quickest way to discover it is through devotion through surrender through dedicated service to the divine so the moment we use the word devotion you know the prayer the human mind we are all same why should we pray well even at human level we see that there is a uh, at least some kind of a evolutionary hierarchy fundamentally we are all same but it's not only to humanity even animals plant life we can say fundamentally everything is same but in manifestation there is a hierarchy so there is a greater possibility our own greater self and when we love we have this unique capacity within us to love now we begin to become in the image of someone we love you know it is known that when two people live close together in close contact even if they fight they begin to become even the physical beings begin to resemble each other so basically it's when we love someone when we worship shubindu has that beautiful line in savitri very says for the worship for worship lifts the stre- lifts the uh, one the worshipper he is lying in the dust so what is the gesture you know uh, when you prostrate at the feet of god so what happens next you have done your bit the next is he leans down 
and holds us and lifts us. So this is the gesture. So worship, devotion, surrender. What is what is this surrender? Surrender is to start with this that my life belongs to you. And whatever may happen with it, you are the one who is responsible. We carry the burden of responsibility. Because we have this strong idea that we are the one who are controlling life, manipulating life. But when we come to the divine and say, well, I am yours and take me and carry me. You are the master of my destiny. Well, he will take us. It doesn't mean life will be simple and easy. Arjuna had surrendered to Krishna and he had to go through the Kurukshetra. But because he surrendered to Krishna, we go through all these appearances. This is what is called as the sunlit path. But eventually we come out unscathed. As if there is a protecting hand which surrounds us. So through this love for God, through this surrender, through this self-giving, and then we surrender not only that, you know, first surrender that my life is yours. It, it should come from within to start with. But also, this surrender should go into detail. Some people say, well, I can't change because, you know, I am anger prone. So what to do? Somebody says something and I get angry. Yes, well, to start with, I may be anger prone. But is there is a much greater strength than mine, much greater power that can change this anger prone beast within me to a vehicle or a vahana of God. So basically, when we offer that movement, what is this offering? Ma, I am prone to anger. Ma, I am pricked by the heat of lust. Ma, I am problem of greed. Ma, I have difficulty of all these thoughts swirling in my head. Once we have formed the connection, I offer it with a will to change. And we will see the magic. It's magical. There is a very beautiful, powerful line in Savitri. It has to be experienced to be believed. To believed. A prayer, then suddenly a magic leverage is caught. A prayer, a master act, a king idea can link man's strength to the transcendence force. Then miracle is made, a common rule. A lonely thought becomes omnipotent. One mighty deed can change the course of things. So all that is needed is to grow in that consciousness and sincerely aspire. See, there are two ways we can relate with God. One is, I will not budge an inch, I will remain what I am. You fulfill my house, fill it with all the gadgets and things that I want. Well, if you want to play that rule, uh, role, God will play. He plays according to... See, it's interesting that actually He plays according to the rules we set for Him. And those rules are nothing else but our faith. So we set the rule for Him that look, we have to do everything. But whenever I am in crisis, you must come and intervene. He says, okay, fine, I will do that. Or we may play by the rules that your job, we give a job description to God. Your job is that, well, you must satisfy and fulfill all my desires. You say, okay, Artharthi. <laughs> so, <laughs> he will do that. Or we will say, you are no good, you are just a witness. Everything man must achieve by his own effort. He will say, okay, I will become the eternal witness. Vast, impersonal void. Or we may say, you are actually nothing. You will say, okay, fine, I conceal myself and I become nothing. So who sets the rules? We set the rule. And that rule is by faith. Or we may say, this little bundle of creatures, habits, thought, feelings, what I call as myself and what the world calls as myself, Lord, take it and change it, mold it into the image that you want me to become. I have a certain will about 
life and things but let your will be done now this is the core of surrender surrender is not just about giving some money and all that surrender is about giving one's character and saying that look change me into a more beautiful image see that line in savitri a mutual debt binds man to the supreme his nature we must put on as he put ours his human portion we must grow divine our life is a paradox with god for key so when we start proceeding living life like that and it's a constant journey it's not a 10 minutes meditation or half an hour meditation it's living life with this idea of serving the divine loving the divine seeking the divine finding the divine and then as some of the indian legends go there is the story of mirabai that you know when she was given you know it's popular tale in indian mythology vishka pyala pee kar ke mera ho gayi diwani i mean when she was given poison and there is another story prahlad like that she drank poison but that poison changed her state into further ecstasy it didn't kill her she merged into krishna so that's because she lived with this idea that all is that comes to me comes from her him comes from her and all that goes from me goes to her it's a way of life it's not a practice or a process and we won't even realize that how through all the events and circumstances of life where we have reached the change that will come is beyond our expectation i have seen and this is the way that mother and shobindo incidentally have maximum emphasized people have turned them into philosophers and but if you read through shirobindo's writings mother's writings look at the synthesis of yoga even those writing which have come before you know the mother's final arrival look at shirobindo's writing starts with yoga of divine works where it's all about dedicated uh, you know uh, dedication to the eternal dedication to the divine consecration in works surrender in works sacrifice to the divine within then comes the yoga of knowledge integral knowledge and it crowns with the yoga of divine love where in all relations in everything we we become as it is said in the gita madbhavam madgata full of him full of her and when that happens life assumes a different note life changes or i let me put it life begins because we live like prisoners there is a third method also which sometimes works and that method is the love for humanity the mother speaks of it in one of her early writings she says that people were deeply moved by compassion they look at humanity and its suffering basically in all these methods we are stepping out of a little shell ego identity yoga of knowledge i must find that which is deeper than my little ephemeral self yoga of love is the ultimate forget me just the divine and the yoga of love for humanity it's not about me that i am living i am living to serve those human beings who need help and there she says there are four kinds of gifts we can give to humanity material gifts intellectual gifts spiritual gifts and integral gifts so through whatever means when we look at suffering humanity we want to assuage it it's a great compassion and the uh, automatically consciousness widens deepens uh, we go within because the ego cannot connect like that the moment we enter into the ego it's all about living for one selfish ends but the moment we have something larger then automatically the soul steps out so one movement is of course we should spend some time in concentration in the heart center and going within and we will experience various things 
For instance, we have the first difficulty will be the physical consciousness which is obstinate like a block. So there are people who try to sit and meditate and concentrate in the heart, in the center of the chest and they can imagine a flame, it starts with an image or the Divine Mother and as they go within, they realize that two months I just can't go within. It's the physical consciousness which is obstinate, tamas. So try all means, that's why you know, ahar, vihar, how much we are sleeping, when we are eating, exercise, all this makes the physical consciousness little more amenable to going within. At the same time, one has to be more persistent than the difficulty. So one day the door opens and we begin to go a few inches inside. Then comes the vital. And you know, it's beautifully described in Savitri, entry into the inner countries and the triple soul forces. And the vital will start playing a game. It'll say, you know what, you are God, you are an instrument of God, you are a channel. And you know, there are people who have completely lost the way, thinking, you know, Mother and Shivabindu now and we are beyond them, above them and we are doing their work. All kinds of nonsense may start. Megalomania, because vital will use this, because when we go within into the inner vital, the inner mental, it's a much vaster domain than the outer. That's why surrender and humility are so important. Mother says sincerity, humility, vigilance, surrender are the safety on the path. If we are pursuing yoga for ambition and ego, then the moment we enter into the inner vital, we'll suddenly even some people start experiencing siddhis. And they start believing, ah, I am God. Now, you know, when you are God, God says, okay, you want to play this way, play this way. And the man who started his journey to discover God ends up discovering him through the path of the Asura. So that's not what, so always we have to, we, and there's several in great detail he describes, all kinds of experiences may start coming, visions, voices, aggrandizes, anything that aggrandizes us, makes us feel, oh, you are the ultimate. People may say, don't get caught into it. Oh, you are a guru. Please, six feet ditch is being dug <laughs> prematurely. Much better to be a child of the mother. Humble servant, the role of the servant of the divine. See, this, that's why in ancient disciplines, to be the servant of, of God, to be his slave, to be his child, it prevents us from many, many catastrophe. Or we may enter into the mental, inner mental, where we may start getting intuitive uh, and subliminal connections with beings of the you know higher mental worlds and uh, we may even station ourselves in any of these heights and we may again take that station of a kind of certitude create a belief system have a new philosophy and there may be many people who will follow us it's almost like initiating a new religion again it's dangerous so still we have to go deeper and then we discover what Shubhindu described beautifully in Savitri, the triple soul forces, we discovered that there are three great power stations or knowledge poises of the one soul. And we can identify with one of them. It is normally we are drawn. It's in the mother he speaks of the fourfold, um, you know, the four great aspects. We may be drawn towards Maheshwari and identify with the being as the being of knowledge and light. We may be drawn towards Mahakali and identify with herself as that intense, rapturous divine love or that truth which slays everything that is uh, untruth, unritam. Or we may be drawn towards Mahalakshmi and suddenly there may be an outburst of love and harmony towards everything in creation. Or we may be drawn towards Mahasaraswati and perfection in every little detail and every little system of life. 
but even there we need not stop but that is required to start with so that we can all of these may shape us they are all mothers you know they will shape us and prepare us ultimately for what shirvinder beautifully says the supramental where where the totality the integral divine and then directly the mothers as the supramental mahashakti can start moving us so this is the process of going within but as i said there is a complementary movement and that movement is that in any area of life field of work it's not just enough to sit and concentrate inside so we have to become conscious of the motives that are moving us to constantly remember that this life is given with a certain purpose to seek to find the divine to serve the divine to love the divine in all things and everywhere the practice of equanimity shobindo says when we are living outside in the world fundamental practice is the practice of equanimity which means at different levels if it is hot cold otherwise sitting in meditation we want an ac room or if it is you know, <laughs> so <laughs> i must have the right temperature to sit and meditate i must have the right size of cushion <laughs> so <laughs> well if you have it fine if you don't have it fine <laughs> A beautiful line by Mirabai where she says karna fakiri fir kya dil lagiri sada magan mein rehna ji if someday you ask me to sleep on the floor i'll sleep if someday you ask me to be in a palace i'll sleep in a palace that is equanimity somebody praises us somebody insults us somebody criticizes us somebody appreciates us take all this with a nod and humility <laughs> special thanks to those who criticize they are really helpful creatures <laughs> then better than flatterers for sure not that take them seriously don't take people's opinion seriously <laughs> it's the most dangerous otherwise we'll start molding our life to fit into people's budgets no people have their opinion they will have opinion either which way leave it the only thing that matters is the divine's view opinion about ourselves and fortunately he has no opinion he simply changes us <laughs> he sees the truth and changes us so constantly to be focused on that and similarly equanimity with regard to different ways of looking at one reality otherwise we'll become like evangelistic oh everybody who doesn't believe in mother nature window is away from truth is away from path no he leads us through countless ways the mother herself when the time comes she will reveal sure window he will reveal when the time comes so let that time come in its own way and each one is meant to it's enough if people understand and that's what shubhendra says in the human cycle who are the individuals who will be the harbingers of the spiritual evolution or self we say spiritual revolution he says they will not be tied particularly to this or that method of belief system all that they will have faith in is the spiritual conversion of humanity that there is something more something deeper something greater yes for an individual fine for me it is mother and shirbindo but for somebody else yes as long as we believe that there is something more than man which we must explore it is enough so this way when we complement this movement of going within at the same time changing the motives of life if the motive remains ambition and we go within it will not work that's why she says in the beginning if the motive remains i'll be a big yogi and a big guru and try to go within it won't work or it may land up land us up into what shubhendra calls is the valley of false glimmer so the motive should be right it should be a genuine search for the divine for the sake of the divine and then when we concentrate and go within but 
as I said, this is, if we have an abstraction of that, I am searching for the divine within, very difficult. Therefore, we have representations. The representations can be in the form of any of these images. Some people meditate or concentrate on the sun, on the fire within. Or we can have directly the human representative of the divine. It makes it so much easier. Mother, we can connect and relate with her. Of course, she is much more than the human representative. But even if we take it like that, that at least we understand this is the divine within her. And Shurabindu, and when we concentrate on them in the heart, it becomes so much easier. And then a mantra with which we can connect. And when we thus sit with this changed motives, a purified understanding in the right way, we seek the right object with the right objective, then life changes. So this in short is the process of deepening the consciousness, going within and discovering the psychic being. It's a great discovery and we must be armed with the patience, the mother says, as of one who is discovering continents. Impatient person finds nothing. You see, the last we know of an impatient person, sorry to say that, he went in search of India and landed up in America. <laughs> he thought it is India. <laughs> see, that's why Indians are attracted to America and Americans to India. Because it's a very old search. <laughs> It is rooted very deep inside. He was in search of India, Columbus. And he landed up and they were Red Indians. <laughs> so it's gone into the psyche. It's a very deep connection we have with America. Because that's how it started. So, but we should not be, he was not impatient. He had tremendous patience. But well, he reached a point where it was difficult. So we must be very patient. A whole lifetime is nothing because the discoveries of such a nature... And then he says, it should preoccupy us. It's not like 10 minutes I'll sit in meditation or half an hour and one hour, have a good nap and come out and say, I've done my bit. Today my quota of concentration is over. Log it in the book. One hour of meditation in the heart center. <laughs> and <laughs> when we eat, when we sleep, when we drink water, when we meet, when we speak, when we listen, that great Discovery, it should be the very purpose of our existence. The most important single thing. If somebody woke us from the sleep and said, What do you want? And we should say the divine. That should be the state of the aspirant, as you know, two little stories with which, or one little story with which we can end. See this aspiration, how it mounts. It may, may not start like this, but slowly, slowly, slowly it builds up every little effort. Ten minutes today, now I'm putting it in the other way. Ten minutes today. Half an hour after a week, then slowly reading something, an urge for progress. Gradually it mounts up till it reaches a point where we cannot live without the divine. That is the moment of the apocalypse. So we have that story of Sri Ramakrishna when somebody asked him, Tell me how to find God, a method. So he would ignore him. So he, one day he stopped him, I will not let you go to the Ganges, tell me how to find God. He says, okay, come with me. Where are you taking me, sir? I'll give you some money, teach me a course. No, no, you come with me, course will be later. Let's first have a bath in the Ganges. So they go to the Ganges and then he says, take a dip. So he says, will I find the divine taking a dip? Are you take the dip, we'll talk about the divine later. So as he takes a dip, he puts his hand over the man and he struggles to come to the surface. After a while he releases him and says, so 
What do you want? He said, sir, please spare me. I don't want anything. Just a whiff of fresh air will do. And then Sri Ramakrishna smiles and says, the day you want the divine this way, that day you will find him. So all these efforts, it's not the practice. It's the aspiration that is important. We believe by this practice it will come fair enough. Divine plays, as I said, by the rules of our game. We say that, well, we have to sing these bhajans, then he will manifest, this is okay. We believe that if I chant a Sanskrit mantra, he will be more lured. He says, okay. We believe that if I say in French, dosmer, she will respond, she will respond. I have seen people say with such sweetness, sweet mother, and she says, wonderful, that's what I am. We just say ma and she'll respond. So he plays according to the rules of the game. So let's make very simple rules, not complicated rules. And the simplest rule is method, practice, everything is fine. Most important is to aspire and seek for the divine. And if that is there, and we will see intuitively that the seat of aspiration in the heart, nobody has to tell us this. Automatically when we think of the divine, aspire, try thinking from here, cerebrum, and see what happens. It will enter into a maze. Eventually you will want to come out of this maze and enter into a vastness. But the moment we say divine, the aspiration, the flame is in the heart. To seek him here where he is and to seek him with all the ardor that is at our command. To seek him in day and night, in people, in activities, in rest, in meditation and everything and everywhere is the great royal road to finding the divine within us. And deepening the consciousness happens automatically as a result of this seeking. Because the one whom we are seeking is also seeking us. So when we seek the divine, he says, good, here I pull you. So all efforts we may put, but ultimately it is grace. And what we call as the psychic being is the condensation of that grace and love. So that's why it has a direct link. The sign that we are drawing near to the psychic is this Constant love for the divine. This urge to give oneself to the divine. No other part can do it. The mind will think, Oh, give me a proof that God exists, then I will give. And God will say, Okay, fine. Read all the books. He will play by the rules of our game. The vital will say, You fulfill my desires, then I will seek you. Okay, fine. The physical will say, I don't know about God. I am born in a certain family. They say, This is God and I believe this is God. But, the real self-giving, that urge to give oneself to the divine and to seek the divine, knowing intuitively the sense of the divine presence, having that complete unreserved surrender and faith in the divine, that is something which is natural and native to the psyche. So when that begins to happen, we are filled with gratitude, we are filled with constant aspiration to serve and give ourselves we are filled with a self-existent peace and delight which no possession of an object and fulfillment of desire can give us. Then we will know that we are at the right doors. One more step and all is sky and God. Thank you.